Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Thursday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Appreciate you spending some of your time here with Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, as we recap last night, a night where the dogs were barking, Trent Condon. Wow. Underdogs in the NBA, underdog in the NHL. We'll, we'll get into that uh, coming up here. Uh, the BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this today. Bottom of the hour, uh, we're going to have Ryan Fagan. Glad to get him. He covers baseball, Major League Baseball for the Sporting News. Boy, it's kind of be a, like a Sporting News infomercial here on Miller & Condon today. Uh, Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News, bottom of the hour. Bottom of hour number two, Bill Bender will be here. Uh, on college football, we'll get into Arizona State. Bill's put one of his uh, top 25 lists out that he does every year. Top 25 returning quarterbacks in college football. We will discuss that with Bill. Uh, but between those two sporting news guests, we will have our buddy David Kaplan, who... I had to push back a day, so we get Cappy today, Centurion Stone of Iowa Sponsors. Cappy at 11.05 on the come-from-behind victory by the team with the best record in baseball. That's right, your Chicago White Sox, the best record in MLB. Uh, We will talk about uh, Fields and Dalton, the Cubs, etc. with Cappy at 11.05. If you were an underdog player yesterday, Trent, or last night in particular, you had an unbelievable night. Uh, boy, oh boy. Uh, speaking of unbelievable, the collapse in Philadelphia last night was an all timer. I don't know where to start. Are they Montreal Canadiens? Yeah. Uh, got out of Las Vegas with what they needed, a split. Didn't see that coming. Pretty good night. Long trip back now to Montreal for Vegas as they uh, make their way over and get ready for game three. Yeah, we, uh, we were talking about it. I did the math before the show. If you would have bet just money line underdog. Last night and parlayed, parlayed them, them. Yep, forty-three to mm-hmm. one odds last night. For so you put all three dogs together. You yep. take Atlanta, uh, you take the Clippers, and you take the Habs. And if you put them all together, forty-three to one. Now, wow, there's not a way in the world I would even put two uh, bucks on that last night. No, Clippers without Kawhi. They're, there's no chance. I told you I thought there'd be, be they would play well, and they did. They jumped out to a ten-two lead. Yep. I thought you know that's not last, and. Paul George, yeah, that was Fountain the guy we youth. were talking about. Fountain of Youth. Again, I love these NBA players listening to our show. It's really good, the motivation that we provide for these yeah. guys, because seemingly every time we call them out, they come out and have that kind of performance, and it was Paul George last night. The first one, so I only got to see highlights, and as I'm wrapping up the baseball game I'm doing last night, Andrew Down says, you're not going to believe how the Hawks came back in this one, and just watching it unfold, <laughs> it was the extended highlight package that NBA.com mm-hmm. puts up, so... I mean, it's probably, it's not every play, but I got a good feeling about it. And when you see this happen in the NBA, and it's so different than any other sport, A, because other sports, you rarely come back from that kind of deficit. But, but coming back from as that far down as they were. But even when they got it to 15, it's still that feeling, eh, whatever. Right, they made a run, and now you know the Sixers will counter, and right. they'll open back up, maybe not to the lead that they had, but it'll be 20-something, and they'll coast. And then it's eight. Yeah. And then it's four, and then... <laughs> And then they're down a point. It just, it's absolutely incredible how in that sport, yep. that sport alone, that can happen in weird, 
it's not just a guy going off. It's not. It wasn't Trey Young. Although he got a huge role, he did. It was a little bit of everybody. And Gallinari, how good he was down the stretch. Absolutely. And on and on and on. It was. It's something that I love about this sport because you don't get that feeling many other times. And when it happens, and we talk twenty eight three in the Super Bowl. Okay, that's one thing. But the NBA, this happens often. Not at this level. But it happens more often than any other sport. Brian Anderson, uh, with uh, he said, I don't know what uh, how much time was left in the game, but he 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 went back to the third quarter with from the two minute mark of the, so two minutes left in the third quarter till the end of the game. Atlanta outscored. I want to get in front of me. Atlanta outscored the Sixers, forty eight to twenty one. 48-21. 40 to 19 in the fourth quarter, but they started to they got to the uh, eight points uh, in the um, in, in with two minutes left. Trent, and, and the other thing, the Sixers' last field goal until they scored that garbage bucket with mm-hmm. the second or two left, they didn't score from like the, the six and a half minute mark of the fourth quarter. Didn't score. How does that? How does it happen? And the other thing that is just confounding about this is what happened the game before. The game before where they blew a 16-point lead in that one, and that's the time when Mm -hmm. you're on the bench and Doc says, let's not let this happen again. Let's keep pushing. Boy, he's getting a lot of arrows shot at him here this morning. My gosh. Shouldn't he? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, if if he was not Doc Rivers, the guy that... That's just it. You and I remember, and younger people just know as a coach, but if he was just Mm -hmm. a guy, Mm -hmm. if he was Mike Budenholzer... Okay. Look at his resume. Look at the teams that he has I had. Know. There's not a whole lot of success no, there. I know. I know he's got a championship, but this team was poised, Trent. Yeah. The Sixers, Sixers were home free. Sixers were home free in the basketball game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was so lopsided in the first half. In the first 24 minutes, it was. I, I turned. I didn't see a play in the third quarter. No, should you? Right. Exactly. You're, you're, this game's over, right? Again, one of the really good things about Twitter. It lets you know that, by gosh, this thing's not over. So you go back, and then you witness that, that it was it was an all-time collapse. Now, can they come back from this? I don't I think they can. I mean, I don't know. I still think they can. Ben Simmons can't miss 10 free throws. Trent, he's awful. There, there, uh, one more stat. I, I, I took a picture of this off my television screen. I do that, too. <laughs> yeah. it, We're uh, not exactly the most technolo- technology uh, advanced guys. Take it on my iPad. Are you freaking kidding me? Uh, you don't got it with you. I have to have a win. But it, was it the Ben Simmons stats that he... Here it is. I've got okay. it. Okay. Uh, missed free throws. Ben Simmons... No, I'll do it this way. Brooklyn Nets have missed 22. During the series? During the playoffs. The, the playoffs. Uh, right. That's what it says. Tim Reynolds. Brooklyn Nets missed 22. Phoenix Suns have missed 29 free throws. Okay. Atlanta's missed 35. Hmm. Ben Simmons has missed 45. Oh, no. Missed 45. That's unbelievable. So watching inside the NBA last night, I'm sure they've had the conversation with Shaq, right? About? About free throw shooting sure, and just yeah. the, the mental aspect of it. They didn't last night, but one thing that Ernie said last night was he is the first guard in NBA history to ever miss 10 free throw games in a game. Not a playoff game, in a game. First guard. That's going back to the days when they're shooting underhanded. Mm-hmm. Missed 10 free throws. It's How? always been the knock on him. He can't shoot. How? I know. I and missed a dunk last night, too. He missed, well, I was, I was going to say uncontested, but he should have made it. Yeah. 
I could go out right now. My fat ass could waddle out there, and I'm not going to miss 10 out of 14. I will tell you that much. Uh, you would hope to think that you'd make a couple of them. Um, boy, oh boy, that was brutal. Well, then let's go to the late game, because the Clippers, uh, when when the news came out that Kawhi wasn't going to play, the line instantly went from 2.5 or 3 uh, to 7.5, and, and um, you know everybody was taking that free square, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody was jumping on the Utah Jazz. And by the way, boy, George Niang. He's struggling in these things. Again. He struggles. Absolutely. It's kind of a, it's a conversation we've seemingly had before the show every yeah. time you see George. It's almost like, you, almost like you can't play the guy for crying out loud. It's getting to that point. Maybe, maybe he'll take a page out of the other two guys that you had a problem with right? and, and yes. elevate his game in game six. But boy, oh boy, the Clippers, Morris and Jackson, you mentioned George out of his mind last night. Now, the bench wasn't great by any means. It was the starters for the Clippers that held him in that uh, in that basketball game. Well, and Reggie Jackson, which... Mr. June? I eagle with that call. Yeah. It really cracked me yeah. up. I, I was just... I was Because I was thinking it to myself and then he says mm-hmm. it. It was, it was incredible. Reggie Jackson and these guys, you look at this Clippers team. It's been the conversation about Kawhi and George. Kawhi and George. All right, these are going to be the guys. But it's a pretty deep team, too. Reggie Jackson is a guy that can yeah. score off the bench. You know, mm-hmm. he has to be a starter with the way mm-hmm. they are. Morris, dude's a player. Yeah. I mean, he's weird as heck. Him yeah, and his brother. Hit some big threes last night. Yes, he was. He was stepping out there. Yeah. And then Terrence Manley with that dunk over oh Gobert. Oh, my God. At the end. Or yeah. yeah four, whatever, four or five minutes left in the game. Yes. That's, that's a team that had some... More depth than I anticipated. More pieces that they could go to. Kennard did some decent things at times in there. Just a great performance in one that I didn't see coming. Nope, I don't think you're alone. All three of these games, the the pro playoff games last night, you would have told me it. I would not have believed you yesterday at this time. And we both, any of them. We love underdogs, you and I, yes, too. And there was yes. never, it never even crossed my mind. Look, mm-hmm. I didn't think that uh, Montreal had a chance to beat uh, the Golden Knights. They opened up a three-zip lead. And boy, it got hairy at the end. Carey Price was, for the longest time, the best goalie in the world. Right? He just was. Um, and he's getting a little bit older, but he's still really good, and he still may very well be. And last night he showed what that that he still can be. He was the difference in the hockey game last night. Canadians, they just get a lead and they just clamp down on you. They're like a swarm of bees, somebody described them as, uh, once they get the lead and they just... Because Vegas is a better roster. Top to bottom, they're a better roster. Um, and now that series goes back to Montreal, where I don't know how many fans they're going to have. Mm. I think they had a 1,000... They were the first Canadian franchise to allow fans back in the building, and it was like the end of May, and I think the numbers are thousand. Hopefully, it'll you know expand a little bit. But boy, oh boy, if when I mean, who knows, right? They, they had twenty five hundred. Is the that building. what it was? Yep, for the uh, the clincher against your Jets. Okay, so maybe double they that. Up, hopefully, I hope so. Yeah. But it's Canada, and and the vaccination numbers are a lot lower up there. Correct. No, I, I think it varies from province to province, okay. but um, yeah, it's still not open. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I just hope it's a good series, and I didn't think it was going to be evened up after two games, but yet here we are. But Trent, I think that is, despite all of those dogs getting the uh, job done last night, it was great. It really was. I think the biggest story was, uh, sadly, uh, Jacob deGrom, mm-hmm. who was incredible. And I hope uh, baseball fans tuned in to see him briefly, because that's all he was there. Trent, he faced nine batters. Uh, he got through the Cubs' order. 
and did so by striking out eight of the nine that he faced. I think it was Rizzo who was the only one that uh, actually made contact and took him to the wall. Actually, it was pretty, came close to going out. But um, he's just unhittable. And and now for the second straight, uh, second straight start, he had to leave early. This one much earlier. He got through three innings. It was Sogard who was the eighth of the nine batters that he faced. And you could see when he threw a pitch that he walked off the mound and you could see him start to favor his shoulder. So he got through Sogard and then got the pitcher and then goes back to the dugout and you could see the disappointment, the angst. He puts his glove up to his face. We don't know what he said at that point, but you know why the glove was up against his face. I guess it started with an F. I'm guessing somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it probably wasn't a whisper. (laughs) But, But at the same time, it was just, I mean, this guy is so freaking good. He's Sandy Koufax-like. And Koufax, he had to shut his career down way before he should have. In fact, it's the first athlete I can remember my asking my dad what retirement means. You mean we'll never be able to see him again? I'm a young kid at the time. I mean, yeah. I'm probably seven or eight. And I'm starting to see DeGrom as good as he is. He's just he's breaking down. And it's so disappointing because whether you like the Mets or not, this guy's appointment TV. This is this might be, and I saw this was a really good. I wish I could remember who I saw this tweet this yesterday, because if it's not Jacob Degrom, I want to know who it is. The most dominant athlete in his or her particular sport. Biles comes up in gymnastics. That's a good one. That is a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the only one that I. And Patrick Mahomes, okay, but Patrick Mahomes got beat. And that gap between Mahomes and number two. It's not that great. Well, right? Aaron Rodgers was the MVP, MVP last year. Right? So he, Tom Brady Mahomes beat him was, in the Super Bowl. Eh? Yeah, right, Mahomes was number two last yeah. year. But Jacob DeGrom, I mean, he's given up four earned runs. He's driven in six. That's the craziest stat of all of the stats that this cat's going on. He faced nine batters yesterday and struck out eight of them. Now, granted, the Cubs lineup at the bottom was a bunch of, who the hell is this guy? And it was, and we'll get into that with Cappy at 11.05. But fill in the basketball player. I mean, LeBron or Michael in their prime, okay. But there were other good players. And it's not that there aren't any good pitchers in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Cole's terrific. Um, Scherzer, when he is on, terrific. Woodruff. Uh, Woodruff has been unbelievable. I like Bueller in, in the Dodgers mm-hmm. with the Dodgers. An easy young kid. Um, there's good pitchers in baseball, but there's no one on the level of Jacob DeGrom. He's dominating his sport like, again, it's a really short list. There's nobody this close. I don't think there is. I, you mentioned Simone Biles. That's a really good one. Right. Because that that's one you put up there. Even Katie Ledecky, I heard there is... That's a good one, too. There's a young lady, though, from Australia. that Who beat her time-wise. Yes, yes. And is beating her at the Australian trials, mm-hmm. uh, two of the events, the shorter events, Ledecky still, though, when you're talking longer distances. Right, but it's going to be these two. Yes. We don't know this. Well, maybe some people know the Australian. I know what you're talking about because I saw the the same piece. But by the time the Olympics are over, we'll know those two because they are going to make a big, big rivalry. And they should. But when we're talking about the big four, the big four professional sports, Mm -hmm. this gap between him and whoever you like is that second picture is significant. This was Gretzky. 
There you this go. This was Gretzky in yeah. his prime, and there was other good players, but they didn't put up Gretzky's numbers. This is what we're watching with Jacob Degrom. It's unbelievable. If, and if we can't, if we get this, if he can't or has to miss significant time, now the good news is the Mets have a. If you're a Mets fan, uh, have a comfortable lead. But there was, I think we, you and I talked about this. When you get to the playoffs, if they get far enough in the playoffs where it's not just game one and five, if you need him one, four, and seven, you know, if you can somehow get to the World Series and you're the NL champ and you've been able to manipulate it so you didn't, you can have DeGrom in game one, one, four, and seven. Do you think he can do that? I don't. I would be confident with it. And it's, it's so rare anymore to see that. Growing up in the eighties, that was what you did. Mm-hmm. Your ace went one four and seven. Frank Mickey Olich went two six and seven. Right, or was it two five? Sixty eight World Series against the Cardinals. Anyways, the MVP two five seven. I think, I think is what it yeah. was. Yeah, Viola though for the Twins in eighty seven. Yes. one four and seven. Right, Blackjack Morse mm-hmm. one four and seven. Mm-hmm. That's what your ace did. Not anymore, especially it's Grom. It's 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 too. Now there's bad. more playoff rounds, and I think that's also a piece of it. That's a, a good point. You're, you're talking about point. that much more. Yep. Important innings. They have a term for it that they use, high leverage innings, where the pressure's on. And basically every playoff inning is mm-hmm. kind of considered that high leverage situation. So that's a piece of it. I'm, I'm sure you're in a wild card game, you're in a divisional round, whatever it is, you get to that. But you hit two starts, and you get two starts with Taiwan Walker and... Yeah, that's not bad. Strowman? Yeah. And Strowman? All right. And you figure out the other one. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in pretty good shape. Yep. Boy, the, uh, the Cubs really need Kyle Hendricks today up against Strowman. Three consecutive. Three consecutive. But the good news is the Brewers are losing. But look at that division. The Reds are now within two, as they have taken three so far this week from the Brew Crew. Reds are within two. The Cardinals are only three back. Isn't that wild? Yes. I mean, we were just last weekend, Sunday night, after the beer snake was dropped to the ground Mm -hmm. and everyone exited Wrigley, I was almost ready to throw dirt on that team. And you just, that's baseball, right? Yeah, I guess. And that's they're in the right that. division. Yes. You can't do that at this point in the season. It's frustrating weekend. And I heard from plenty of Cardinal fans that were very frustrated after the weekend. But one week, one week, how quickly it can change. And that's happening right now. And now, did we overreact to the Cubs, too? Or just Monday? Uh, with the Cubs card sweep, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. And don't forget, they, they swept the Mets when the Mets came to Wrigley. There's still some warts on this Cubs team. Well, Trent, look at the lineup at the bottom of the lineup yeah. last night. Look no further than this. Help me out with these cats. Uh, Peterson, Rizzo, Baez, Hap, Patrick Wisdom. Ortega in right, Sogard. I like Sogard. Lobatron behind the dish. I brought this up a month ago when, when the Padres were in town and Caratini was behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Contreras needs help. Contreras yes. needs help. Lobatron is not the answer. The stock cat that pitched last night. Now I got more. There was more of a story. They built up the story around him. They told his. I mean, this was a kid that was. You know, when you went when you were growing up, there was always a kid that was bigger than everybody else. Oh yeah, and everybody else caught up with him. Mm-hmm. This was, according to Baseball America, the most dominant. I don't know, fourteen-year-old pitcher. Okay. Uh, in in the United States, and he went to USC, and he started as a, I don't know, sixteen-year-old. He's in the rotation, but then everybody caught up with him. But they just, we talked about it yesterday, they need more than Davies and Hendricks. Mm-hmm. And maybe Alzali, when he comes back, Arietta is what he is at this point in his career. Trevor Williams, is uh, he's, he shouldn't be in the starting rotation. Love his story, but he's just not there. Need a backup catcher. 
Um, I don't know how long Bryant is going to be out for. He got hurt two nights ago. He took a pitch in the first inning on the... I'm not sure if it was his wrist or his finger. I thought it was his finger, but regardless, he wasn't able to answer the bell. Cubs need help. Cubs need help. White Sox, I don't know if they do. No. This team yesterday, Trent, it was an afternoon game, and I was yeah, thoroughly... Yeah, fill me in on this one. So I... I'm thoroughly entertained because I love listening to Steve Stone mm-hmm. and Benetti, and, and Stoney's going to be off next week. So he's he's already said that if you, if you tune into the White Sox and your guy's not there, what happened to Steve Stone? Um, he's He's... Going back to Arizona. He didn't say why, but he's back in Arizona. So it was 7-2. Uh, Giolito's cruising along in the baseball game. It looks as though, well, maybe not. they're not going to run away with it, but they were certainly having their way. They opened up a 7-2 lead. And then here come those pesky Rays. And these two teams, these two teams, I think they are... I mean, well, might we see this? Of course, we may see this again in in, in the playoffs, but uh, the Rays are a really good team. And for the White Sox to test their mettle against this squad and for them to prevail in the series, um, that gets your attention. So it's 7-2, to two, and then the, the, and the um, Rays just start pecking away. I think it's 7-3 to three in the 6. You get through the 8th inning, and all of a sudden it's tied. Uh, ninth inning, the White Sox get a man uh, leadoff double, couldn't score, but then get the extra innings, and Yasmani Grandel takes a shot off the wall in right field for them to win. But it looked as though they'd blown it, um, and we're going to blow blow the series. But the White Sox are a talented team. They're the best team in Chicago. One thing that uh, jumped out to best me. Best team record-wise in Major League Baseball. Marshall gave up a couple runs again. And he's usually pretty good. He, he has- was early in the year. His ERA is over five, though. Not, but yeah, you're right. He hasn't been good as of late. Bummers, numbers are okay. I was sold a bill of goods by the Emory Songers and the Sean Robertson world that this was going to be the best bullpen in baseball. It's not that. And No, but they have the best record in baseball. And they do. Sign for that. Right. And with the injuries they have, that's yeah. significant. But yeah. is it just, you know... Again, with bullpen guys, it's a small, small sample size you're talking about. And, you and still that got was Hendricks. another good team in the in the other dugout yeah. yesterday, too. They're going to come back at it. Uh-huh. So I don't think overreaction is warranted here. As you said, best record in baseball. Mm-hmm. But something to keep an eye on. And Marshall, one of those guys, numbers not as good as certainly anticipated. No, and, and he was uh, he was lights out to start the season. Uh, but he, you're right, he has come back to the pack a little bit. All right, more baseball conversation coming up. Ryan Fagan, just real quick on this. I want We'll pick his brain uh, on, on this topic as well. Do you sense that, um, that pitchers are starting to come together and try and get Major League Baseball to soften their stance on the um their determination to get the sticky stuff out of the game. Oh, I think so. Yeah. And we're starting to hear a lot of these guys trend. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are starting to speak up. Not that there's I don't think that the I don't believe anyways that they um that think that they should be able to get away with whatever they're getting away with, but it's just when they're trying to bring these changes to the game. It's the middle of the season almost. Yes. Um if it was it would have been spring training, I don't think anybody would have had a problem. But they've been going through this now, and um, I don't know. I was calling a high school game last night. Mm-hmm. Did it come up? Didn't see a rosin bag. You Back, didn't see a rosin bag? I rarely see a rosin bag at high school games. There's a couple of places that do. Don't have a rosin bag. I wonder bag. what's behind that. We never had one. Don't need it. Or you just grow accustomed to not yeah. having it. And then you morph and you continue and you get to the level. 
I uh, I told you about that article I read last week, and it was just a writer, a baseball writer, that went in and, and just showed as he was throwing the ball barely sixty miles an hour up there, mm-hmm. but what the sticky stuff can do. So is it? Should it be more of a weaning off process? Yes, that's the. It's a very well put. Where uh-huh. you we're going to allow this until day X. No more sticky. You can still use rosin. You can still use the sunscreen. We know mm-hmm. that's a combination, mm-hmm. but the actual, the most tacky stuff, the weightlifter stuff that people are uh, using. The stuff when, when Molina, when a ball falls off, a, right. a batter's bat and hits him in the chest protector, doesn't yeah. stick. Yes. That stuff goes away. <laughs> right. And then after the all-star break. Some Velcro. Then we're doing away with the sunscreen. You can still use the rosin and the sweat and one other material. And by the time we get to trade deadline, July 31st, it's over. You got mm-hmm. your rosin bag, and that's enough. Well, I, I okay. If, I mean, if that's if that's the best solution, I, I think they would sign for that. But I, I still I don't believe, think you could do that either, though. No, I th- public I, sentiment would be bad. Right. I still think that it should have happened in the off season. But it wasn't a real conversation. No, until numbers, offensive numbers started mm-hmm. to plummet the way that they are, and we were looking have. for reasons. Oh, it's the baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, it is the baseball because it's mm-hmm. got a bunch of crap all over yep. it that these guys are spitting at ridiculous numbers. That's. That's the reason for it. It was talked about, but not at the level. And then that Sports Illustrated article we had a couple weeks ago, I think that really accelerated the process. And what took it over the edge was one pretty innocuous question yeah. to Garrett Cole. Yep. Right. Have you ever used the sticky stuff and his pauses? And he didn't know how to answer that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and Scott Boros has come out as well, and he's a pretty powerful guy in the game of baseball. Yes, and they represent some pitchers, and uh, he, he made his feelings very clear, I'm guessing on behalf of his clients, or certainly had input on that. All right, more a baseball conversation with Ryan Fagan. Cappy's here at 11.05. Look forward to catching up with Cappy. Who does he think will, um, is he going to say Barrios? Because that was a name that was tossed our way on Monday and Tuesday. We'll ask him unsolicited, but if he's hearing Barrios or who potentially could join that Cubs rotation. Miller and Condon till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. On a Thursday, so we said it's a sporting news infomercial day here on Miller and Condon. Bill uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News in an hour. Let's get to Ryan Fagan. He covers Major League Baseball for yes, you guessed it, the Sporting News. Uh, glad to have you, Ryan Fagan, Trent Condon, and Ken Miller in Des Moines. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well. I will try not to yell as much as Bill will in about an hour when he comes on, Bill. Bill is one of my favorite people to talk to because he gets so much. He gets so passionate. He loves the sport. Oh my gosh, it's so great! And sometimes you know I like to tweak him a little bit to get him going because it's it's fun. <laughs> Absolutely, he's a good, he's a good guest and a real friend of the program. We've had him on our show for years. Grateful for the relationship. So, Ryan, I, I, let's start with I guess the biggest story in baseball from last night. We'll get to the you know pitchers and uh, and Major League Baseball cracking down on them. But boy, oh boy, as a as a fan of baseball, I'm a Blue Jays fan. I don't yeah. I don't root for the Mets, but gosh darn it, watching J- uh, Jacob Degrom, uh, what he's been able to do. 
uh, has just been remarkable. All-timer. Sandy Koufax-like performance we're, we're seeing out of him. Maybe even better. Uh, but he's starting to break down a little bit. And last night was another example, leaving the game after, you know, perfect through three of the nine outs. Eight of them came via the strikeout. Uh, what, what's, what's going on? What are we witnessing here uh, with DeGrom? I hope we're witnessing a hiccup in a historic season. I really do, but it would be the third hiccup now. Yep. Um, that, that, that's a lot of hiccup, considering we're only in the, the first couple months of the season, and I'll probably stop using the word hiccup now because that's already too many times. But, you know, I mean, he really has been great. What he's done over the last couple of years has been incredible. He's been even better when he's been on the mound this year. I mean, the the performance yesterday, I mean, eight strikeouts, in nine batters is just incredible. And you, you're right. You hit the nail on the head when you said you're, you're a Blue Jays fan, but you're a baseball fan. You like watching the great. I like watching the great players do great yeah. things. That's what we want to see. And that's what he's given us every time he's taken the mound. But it seems like every time you watch him, like I turned on that game in the, in the third inning. So I watched that last inning. And then, you're just kind of hoping, please, mm-hmm. nothing happened. Please, nothing happened. And then, you know, obviously he left the, the game and didn't come back. And the, the sh- a sore shoulder and, you know, early indications, I guess, is maybe it's not a super serious thing. But, you know, I mean, this is the third time now he's come out of a, a start early. He's had a, a start pushed back for a while. He's spent a little bit of time on the IL. And, you know, it's just. You, you almost just you, know, you want the Mets to just wrap him in, yeah. in bubble wrap. Right. <laughs> keep keep this guy healthy, so we can witness one of one of the great, the all time greats in, in the sport. Ryan, a lot of people, myself included, first uh, thing when you see him leaving the game is connecting that to the sticky as it comes off. Degrom's yeah. been known to go to his belt quite often. A lot of people maybe can make making some connections there, and especially on the heels of what we heard from Tyler Glasnow a couple nights ago. Do you see any connection here? And, and taking it a step further, just how impactful this is going to be, not just to pitching and, and maybe giving hitters a better chance, but the injuries that are going to come along with it. Right. You know, I mean, I think in DeGrom's case, you know, the Mets have been, the Mets players have been pretty staunchly uh, saying that he doesn't do anything. In fact, uh, I think it was <clears throat> the catcher, I think, it was James McCann. Said, you know, we we, we all kind of joke about what he could be like if he did use the sticky <laughs> stuff. You know, because he just has this this crazy thing. And you know, and his like, I looked a couple weeks ago at at a bunch of the pitchers at the top of the ERA charts, right? And looked at their spin rate on the four seam fastballs, and, and guys like Trevor Bauer were in the 99th percentile of of spin rate on four seam fastball. Degrom's spin rate was like 75 percent, mm. right? But he's not a guy that relies exclusively on that. He doesn't fit that profile as the guy who is using the the stickiest, the sticky stuff to to get there. Now, you know, we don't really know um, from other what what people have told us, what players have told us. We all know that sometimes they can adjust things to their benefit or their teammates' benefit. So, but he doesn't fit the profile of the guy who who uses that stuff to be as good as he is. But to your other point, I mean, yeah, I mean, Tyler Glass now is, is 100% convinced mm-hmm. that this is what led to the injury. And it does make sense in a way because, I mean, the, the motion of throwing a baseball is not normal, right? And with the, the effort that goes into it, you know, the all-out um, yeah, effort and the, the muscles that are used, if you're tweaking anything at all, 
you know, you're opening up the chance for some sort of injury, and that's what Glassnow feels like happened to him. You know, I mean, this is a little bit different thing, but, you know, Dizzy Dean's career famously ended because he got hit in the leg and had a broken leg in the All-Star game when a line drive hit him there, and then when he tried to come back too early, he had to adjust because he was throwing differently because his leg hurt, and that's what led to the arm injuries that, that ended his career. So we've seen that kind of thing where stuff like this matters, just this little change matters. Um, so hopefully Glassnow is alone and nobody else gets injured like that, but we will see. Yeah, overcompensating uh, with, with Dizzy Dean's uh, is exactly what happened. So, uh, at least what I read, I didn't see it, but anyways, uh, Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News is our guest. Ryan, over the last couple of days, I get the sense that that, uh, that pitchers and that Scott Boros uh starting to realize the effect that this might have on, 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 on pitchers. And they are, I don't know, but they're being more vocal than when it was first, when it first uh, became public that maybe Major League Baseball is going to crack down on it. It wasn't seemingly the immediate blowback, but as we get closer to the date, it seems like pitchers are starting to speak up and ask if there's something different that can be done. Do you sense that? Do you see that as well? And if they do, kind of uh, um, you know, soften it or not go from zero to a hundred as they're going to do, what can be done? Well, I think that's the biggest thing. I think I think everyone was curious as to what. Uh the rules were going to be, what the suspensions were going to be. And I think that's why people kind of have held their tongue a little bit because they didn't know, <coughs> excuse me, they didn't know exactly what it was going to be. And when they found out that it was a very, very strict policy, nothing at all except for rosin, um, that's when you started to see the blowback, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that look, the, the, the problem over the past 15, 20, 30 years has not been that little mixture of sunscreen and rosin, right? That's been kind of the baseline go-to. You mix those things, two things together, you get a little bit of a, of a stickier feel, and that helps you with the grip. That's not the problem. The problem came when basically the, the cheating got too good, right? When we started introducing stuff like spider tack and these super, super sticky substances, and that's when the spin rates really took off, and that's when the strikeout rates really took off, and that's when baseball said, okay, well, we have to do something, right? I don't think pitchers were prepared for baseball to take away that sunscreen and rosin combination, right? I, 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 it feels like they were expecting that, okay, we'll just take away this, this black, this, you know, this black, this, this brown stuff that comes on the baseball and is very obvious and noticeable. You do that and, and, you know, that's okay. But when they started taking away everything, that's when you started to see the reaction. And the glass now news, that, that certainly isn't going to make that go away. Let's uh, move away from the sticky stuff and get into a sticky situation for the Cubs. <laughs> they need help in that starting rotation, and they'll get a little bit when Williams comes back and Alzali is back out there. <laughs> well, not, not a whole lot with Williams, but the starting pitching, that seems to be kind of number one on the list, not just one. I think two starting pitchers are needed if this team's going to stay in contention throughout the season. Have you started to peek ahead, maybe some names, and secondly, the Cubs, it's going back the other way. Just how good do you think this team is? Well, I mean, they, they could use a guy like you, Darvish, couldn't they? Yeah, right. the top of the rotation. Yep. You know, I mean, I think, that, I think that the rotation issues that they're having now is part of the reason that the Cubs in the offseason were not making moves to contend in 2021, quite honestly. You know, I mean, when, when the biggest moves they have, you know, they're, they're letting Kyle Schwarber walk without any sort of um, compensation coming back, even though he had another year of club control. They're paying John Lester $10 million to go pitch somewhere else. 
They're trading away you Darvish for, you know, a, a serviceable starter and basically you know, four four guys who are a long ways away from the, the from the majors. And it's because they knew that it was going to be tough this year, right? They didn't expect that they'd be in contention, but yet here they are in contention. And all of a sudden, all these issues that the Cubs looked at back in, you know, October, November last year and said, yeah, that's going to be tough to overcome. Well, suddenly it's going to be tough to overcome, but because they're playing so well, you know, can you really throw up the, the white flag on a season that is has gone so well, has exceeded expectations when you have Chris Bryant playing like he has and Javi Baez, you know, and, and Anthony Rizzo, all these guys who are going to be free agents either this year or next year, you know, I mean, it's, it's a tough situation. And I think we'll learn a lot about the direction of this team and what they're going to do over the next couple of weeks, right? Because right now, the market for starting pitching, like trading for pitchers, is pretty thin, you know, quite honestly. And because so many of the guys who are free agents after this year or next year and are pitching on teams that aren't contending right now and fit that profile of guys who could be be available, they're hurt. You know, John Gray with the Rockies, he's hurt. Matt Boyd with the Tigers, he's hurt. So we'll see in a couple of weeks if these guys come back and show that they're healthy, then maybe you can make deals. But right now, I mean, you're looking at guys like, you know, Kyle Gibson is one of the few hmm. healthy starters who is throwing well right now. And, you know, the, the Rangers know this, and they're not going to trade him away for what it seems like the Cubs might want to pay because the Cubs are trying to reboot, right? They're not necessarily going to give away a couple of their top prospects. You know, they're not trading a Gleyber Torres away. They're not trading an Aloy Jimenez away, partially because there aren't a lot of those guys in the system, but because they're looking to the future right now. And it's it would be a lot and, and a mistake, probably, quite honestly, to trade away guys who are going to be impact players in the majors in a short time for a guy or two who is going to help the 2021 Cubs contend for the Central Division's crown when the chances of them realistically competing for a World Series crown are pretty thin, as is the case, you know, quite honestly, with any team in the NL Central right now. Yeah, I think the White Sox would love to go back on that James Shield for Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. trade that they made. Yeah. I want to talk about, and maybe you don't think they are, uh, I, we believe that the Minnesota Twins are the most disappointing team in baseball. After all, they were going to, if they weren't going to win the American League Central, it was going to be them and the White Sox, and weren't we going to be entertained down the stretch? Well, that's not happening. What did When you look at this Twins team, where does fault lay? Where, who, who, should, uh, uh, who should this be pinned on, if anyone? That's a great question, and I, I, I won't pretend to know the exact answers on that. But it, you're right. It, it's been a disappointing season. I mean, I think that there was no reason to think that the Twins wouldn't mash their way to a bunch of 7-6 to six yeah. victories. And on the other nights, they'd have guys like Berrios and, and Pineda throw, throwing well, and they'd be winning 2-1 games from time to time. You know, It felt like this was a team that could do that. You know, Over the past couple of years, they gave us no reason to suspect that 2021 would be the disaster that it has been. And, and it has been disappointing. And I, you know, I mean, I keep waiting for them to like flip a switch and turn things around, but, you know, it's just not been good. The defense hasn't been good. They've made base running mistakes. They've, you know, they, they strike out a lot, but everybody strikes out a lot this year. And, and they just haven't gotten the pitching that they thought they would. And it's just this combination of issues where if it was any one of these issues and everything else was going okay, they'd be okay. They'd be fine. 
but it's everything. It's you know when you look at a team like the Red Sox, the Red Sox had let's just say limited expectations this year because so many hat things had to go right if they were going to compete and contend. Well, everything's gone right with the Twins. They had high expectations. They just needed everything. They needed for everything not to go wrong, but everything's gone wrong. And here you have two teams that had completely different expectations heading into the year, and they're in completely different. Uh, scenarios right now than they expected to be. Until yesterday, I did not realize just how bad the Arizona Diamondbacks have been. <laughs> Ken brought it up to me. Yeah. And then last night Five I and see thirty six in their last forty one. Yeah, the the hoopla as they lose their twenty second consecutive road game. It's unfathomable, but the thing is baffling. I'm a big baseball fan. Ken's a big baseball fan. Until yesterday, it wasn't even close to our radar. I get it. We're in the middle of Iowa, but still there's only thirty MLB teams. The ineptitude of this organization, how does this happen? And, mm. and maybe more importantly, how has this been such a quiet story? Oh, well, I, uh, it's because it's the Diamondbacks. <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, quite honestly, if, if it was a team like the Cubs or the Red Sox or the Yankees, that's all anyone would be talking about. But yeah. it's the Diamondbacks, you know, and that's not how it should be. I hate that it's like that. You know, it sounds weird to say I wish that the Diamondbacks being awful was a bigger story, yeah. but I kind of <laughs> right. do because yeah. it would mean that people cared more about the Diamondbacks. You know, and we see this, you know, reflected in some of the stuff that you know we write. You know, you see, you write a story about the Diamondbacks; it's a great story, and it doesn't do much. And it's not just the Diamondbacks, but you know, other teams that you know, I mean, like the Rays. There's just not as much interest in the Rays as there should be, and the, mm-hmm. and I, I hate good. I wish it wasn't yeah. like that, but you know, that's that's just the reality of, of what it is. And I think that's part of MLB's marketing. You know, which MLB. You know, it, MLB gets a lot of, of grief for its fault, faultings in marketing its players and teams over the past 15, 20 years. And a lot of that's deserved. But they they have done a better job. You know, the, the social media crew that they have is doing a much better job. The MLB Film Vault, um, or whatever they're calling it now, it really is fantastic. And I'm not just doing a commercial for them. But I really do feel like they have done a better job. And they put a lot more time and effort into that thing. And if I'm going to list the things that I'm faulting MLB for, Right now, and it's a long list. That's probably not up at the top of of that of that list. Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News. Ryan, thank you for uh, giving us some time here today. We really appreciate. it. We'll talk to you down the road. Thank you, Ryan. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News. So we talk a little MLB. So I have the ESPN leaderboard, uh, U.S. Open leaderboard, in front of me. Yes, and that's that. That part of it is. I mean, it's. Here's the good part about it. If you like golf in prime time, Trent, there's only three groups that have teed off so far. Yes. It's 10 to 11 almost in the morning. That is beautiful. Isn't, isn't that it? great? Sitting at home at night, feed up, little golf on TV on Saturday and on Sunday night. Love these West Coast majors. And uh, especially as we only get one NBA game tonight because, of course, the Sun Series mm-hmm. is already over. Mm-hmm. So few more options coming up this evening. Not a bad thing. Right. Uh, Cubs go at six. Uh-huh. Roman versus Hendricks. One hockey game tonight. The East Coast are the... Uh, they're not calling the no, Eastern Conference no. the Western Conference anymore. because It's of the two game. versus three. Right. <laughs> it's Lightning. And they're, that building, Nassau County Coliseum, is going to be bonkers. You ready for the, uh, the Mike Greenberg tease? Remember back in the old days of Mike and Mike, he'd have these teases. Coming up next, I'll tell you why two... NFL MVPs are screwed for the upcoming season. That's next on Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty KXNO, WolfRipping.net.
Condon, welcome back. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. So before we went to break, mm-hmm. <laughs> you teased about two former MVPs that are going to have bad seasons this year? Well, the Madden curse has been known to strike many times in the past, and this year, not one, but two cover athletes will be on Madden 2022. So is it different parts of the country you get if you are you get Brady or you get Mahomes, you get to choose? No, they're both on there both together. On yeah, I saw a picture of uh, one of the mock-ups there and they're sitting, look like on some bleachers next to each other there, the former MVPs. Now, if you believe in the curse, it has struck many times in the past, but well, just two years ago, Patrick Mahomes, he was the cover, cover athlete. Worked out okay. Won a Super Bowl. Right. And uh, Though people were pointing, remember October 13th when he went down with an injury. Against the Broncos. And it looked like yep. it was going to be significant. Yep. It didn't turn out to be the way. Uh, On a quarterback sneak in the end zone, or about like the one-yard line. Last year, Lamar Jackson was a cover athlete. Uh, down year compared to the year before. That's true. Antonio Brown before Mahomes a couple of years previous. Was that when he was with the Raiders or going to the Raiders? No, that was his last year with the Steelers. Okay. He was fine statistically. But got in a fight with Roethlisberger, and of course the next off seasons when he tried to freeze his feet off <laughs> right, with, the, uh, with the Raiders. You know, as I've said, I think that the Steelers are are in for an about face for, from where they've been. You're just, you're fading Pittsburgh I, in a big, big time, time way, big time numbers eight and a half. I know there's an extra game uh, this year, but uh, I'm not in this. The divisions, it's good. It is. Cleveland's good. Cincinnati's going to be better. Baltimore's Baltimore. If it wasn't the Cleveland Browns. Would they be getting even more buzz about being a Super Bowl contender? Uh, if it wasn't, maybe. It's still pa- Baker Mayfield. That's he still it, has Trent. a lot to I'm prove. I'm with you. I'm with you. There's a lot of people that still don't think he's the guy. By the way, uh, this uh, Travis Hines just tweeted this. Four Cyclones on preseason Walter Camp All-American teams. Four Cyclones named to the All-American teams announced today by Walter Camp. All-Americans Charlie Kohler, Brees Hall, Mike Rose selected first team while Colin Newell was named to the second team. Three Cyclones on the first team All-American of Walter Camp. This is not Phil Steele four-team All-Big 12. <laughs> and that would, in some summers, that right, would be that, a press release. That's the high mark. Yes, that yes. four guys were selected for the four team for right. Iowa State football. That's not what this is. <laughs> that's funny. This is all American teams. Well, that's not funny cyclone, but yes, <laughs> yeah. that's a good line. It's uncharted territory. It Say it every week. Seemingly, there's one of these every single week. Something comes out, yeah. and you're just left scratching your head. Yep. We've watched this program. We've seen mm-hmm. this team. We we know about the. Highs and the lows of this fan base and what they have gone through. And it's all culminating. It's all peaking at this moment. But. I know. Don't say that. They're not going to have the football pulled away this year. This is, it's finally going to be their year. You're going to believe. Well, I don't. I'm, I'm not going to believe, but I want Cyclone like cycle fans are all in. Yeah. But we've seen, you know, when the expectations before and mm-hmm. inevitably it's why can't we have nice things? And the thing that I think will be most disappointing, if they go 9-3, and three, which isn't a great year. Oh, my God. But it's Oklahoma-Texas playing for the title. Yeah. One's 10-2, the other's right. undefeated. Right. And what a disappointing year. No, 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 no. 9-3 is not a disappointing year, but it will be because of the buildup. I have a chance to win double-digit games. What's the win total? Nine and a half? It is. Yeah. And at 9-3... Nine nine and three, and a half. Nine and a half. If you get the over, you're SOL. Yeah. It's just, that's the part that I worry about, is these expectations when they get to that point. So high. And the negativity that can surround. And 
It's also part of college football in general, mm-hmm. where it's all pointing. Say this team, there's not a lot of margin for error, right? Say they go 11-1, and one and they get beat by Oklahoma in, in the rematch in the championship game, and they don't go to the playoff. And there's going to be portions of the fan base that say, what a disappointment. It's yeah, cra- you probably. Because you didn't still win the conference yeah. championship. You didn't get to the playoff. Right. And some people. There's no banner. Even at 11-2 and two, uh-huh. would consider that not a successful year. Is that a big population, but there's a portion. Right, right. And it's because of these expectations. Finish the job. Well, um, uh, it's good. Buckle up. It's a good problem to have, though, yeah, right? I guess it's good. Better than, how can they get to six wins this year, Ken? The and then we're lying to each other throughout Trent, the summer. I can't find more than three. I can't find more than three. I only got to one. <laughs> Been there, done that. Uh-huh. Many, many years. Uh, David Kaplan kicks off our number two. Off to Chicago, we shall go. White Sox, Cubs, Bears, with Cappy coming up on the other side. Bill Bender on the Sporting News. Boy, Arizona straight. Herm, he's in trouble? Serious allegations. Hour two coming up next.